Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Box with your host and CEO of Babelbox, Sherry Langberg. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Go behind the scenes and learn how you can make influencer marketing part of your social media playbook. Subscribe to Beyond the Box at podcast.babelbox.com. Listen to all of your favorite episodes and follow us on Instagram for more influencer marketing inspiration. Shift is a leading same-day delivery marketplace with personal shoppers who handpick and bring products that you want right to your doorstep. We're here today with Riley Cronin, Director of Influencer Marketing, who's going to share some insights with us. Hi, Riley. Hi, Sherry. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Of course. I am very excited about learning more about Shipt. So can you give me a little bit more background about the delivery service? Definitely. So Shipt is a membership-based grocery marketplace. You can essentially get fresh food, household items, or alcohol delivered straight to your door. So essentially, Shipt just simplifies people's lives and saves time for them to do what matters most. Alcohol, that's pretty interesting. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it depends on, on what market you're in and what stores you're ordering from. But, but yeah, alcohol is something's a little bit newer. But okay. uh, yeah, it depends on the retailer and it depends where you live. Got it. Got it. So tell me a little bit more about, I mean, I'm sure it's a very big role, but influencer marketing was shipped. What does your role look like there? So my role is, uh, it's a fun one. It's really exciting. Um, essentially what my role is, is to develop relationships with big influencers, small influencers, micro, macro, and develop creative campaigns to help reach new audiences. That's essentially what it is in, in a nutshell. And so when you talk about micro macro, I think everyone defines it so differently. How do you define micro versus macro? So I would say micro for us is anything between 5,000 to 100,000. Okay. Um, a little bit might be bigger of a scope than most people. But for us, I think 100,000 plus would be your macros. But even beyond that, we, we call them tier one influencers. Those would be your million and above. Mm-hmm. I think right now, just where our program is at and our business is at, we're focused more on the tier one campaigns. Since we are more of um, and we're a national company now, we're we're nationwide. We're focused on influencers that do have that bigger reach and a bigger audience. Mm-hmm. We're playing playing on a bigger stage now. So let me ask you. So that's a great question that comes up. Is that you know does engagement start to go down? I mean, obviously the reach is broader. But does, do you see engagement, you know, dipping when you go with bigger influencers? Typically it does, but every now and then you'll come across, you know, special cases where they'll mm-hmm. be an influencer that has a million plus following and their engagement rate is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. We're actually working on a campaign right now with Matthew Noska, who he has a million followers. He's, he's having his moment right now. He's coming off the back of a Netflix show and he's a model entrepreneur, lives a busy lifestyle, uh, but he has a pretty high engagement rate. Even with a million followers, his, his engagement rate is between five and 7% and sometimes even more depending on the content he posts. So, but, but typically you're right. When you do start to work with those higher tier influencers, it's just the nature of the game. Uh, their, their engagement does start to fall off. 
Yeah. And it's also, I think you're looking at different influencers. If someone, you know, has that, you know, kind of broadcast or Netflix exposure, then maybe it, it boosts and helps his engagement. But you know, it's definitely something that we kind of are always like, what's the engagement rate and how, you know, what happens as you get bigger? So how how do you go about finding these influencers, whether it's, you know, the micro or the macro? So for us, it's it's on a campaign basis, right? It depends what our outcome is or what goals we're trying to accomplish. But everything for us is it has to tie back. It has to. It's two things, right? One, the influencer has to love our service and find use for our service. And the second is their audience has to be similar or tie back to our core member personas or demographic. And if two, both of those things kind of check out, we'll just start to look for influencers that really fit with the storyline that we're, that we're going for. So whether it's you know, going after the health and wellness or health and fitness vertical, we'll mm-hmm. start to, you know, health and fitness influencers that have a certain amount of reach. And then from there, it's just about doing the due diligence, checking out their brand, seeing how their content performs, seeing how, how well they do on camera and seeing if there's the potential to do an in-depth creative campaign. Because for us, it's not, you know, gone are the days of, of really um, expecting influencer campaigns that are just a review of service or a story post and a swipe up. Those days of seeing those things really perform are gone. So mm-hmm. for us, it's all about we got to see potential in a longer term relationship and an ongoing partnership. We also see that those type of campaigns perform better, right? Influencer marketing is all about leveraging trust with your audience. So influencers that just do one and dones, I mean, it really comes off as a transactional thing or or a paid promotion. We try to, you know, we don't avoid the paid promotion because we are paying these influencers, but we try to make it as organic and authentic as possible. And if someone's going to post about us over a longer period of time, it's usually because they love our service, right? And their audience is going to, is that's going to be really well received. Yeah, for sure. And there's also, you know, it's, it's a different part of the, the funnel. And I think if you keep repeating the message, it reinforces. So, you know, more people are seeing it more frequently. It takes a longer sales cycle on, you know, the influencer content side. Do you use any like technologies or tools or platforms? I mean, obviously there's a lot of discovery platforms and influencer market. Like, do you use any of these SaaS platforms to help with this influencer discovery or tracking or any of that? You're going to be surprised. We do not use any tools or technology at the moment. Awesome. Um, it was really, you know, the foundation of our company. We, we used to call ourselves a relationship-based company with good tech. And the relationship came first. And that's kind of what we took, you know, to heart in our influencer marketing strategy and playbook. We want to keep the relationship at the center of everything that we do. So we came up with a concept we call next level connectors. And what we saw in the space is if you, if you look at influencers, they always have just in the community, there's these people that have influence over the influencers or authority with the influencers and have relationships with with a lot of influencers in the space. So what we found was if we partner up with these next level connectors, we could work on the back of a relationship, form a partnership with them, and then just work through them to develop campaigns that you know are, are very successful for us. So we've been using the next level connector model. We have a handful of them. And essentially what we do is we just work through their networks. But the good thing is they have a direct relationship with the people that we want to work with. Mm-hmm. And- 
influencer marketing is relationship marketing. So if you can keep the relationship involved in it, that's going to lead to a more successful campaign. So we've just found that to work really well for us, but we are currently looking at tools. I think in 2020, we will add tools to our playbook just to give us just some more capabilities on finding more influencers outside of the stuff we're doing, mm-hmm. but we'll keep that mix. It'll be when we do add the tool, it won't replace the next level connector model. It'll just, um, it'll be a blended approach that we'll do aside that because Again, we always want to try and leverage relationships when we can. So that's really what's worked for us. And and we'll continue doing that. I mean, that's how it all got started, right? I remember when I started this agency, it was all manual. So that's how it works. But when you talk about these next level connectors, does that mean that, you know, they're the influencers that they have relationships, do they end up becoming influencers who work with you more on an organic basis? Yes and no. So what we'll do is we'll partner up with these next level connectors, right? So we form a partnership with them and they'll work on our behalf. And basically what we do is we just go to, we work with the next level connectors to identify certain influencers to support the campaigns that we have going on. So sometimes we can leverage their relationships and they just have people that have heard about shipped and love shipped or, or they've, they've seen it. They've seen other people posting about it and they just want to try the service. So there we'll get, you know, the added value and added benefit of the relationship. But most of the time what we'll do is we'll just really leverage their relationship to get as much out of a campaign with an influencer as possible. What you see is people are willing to go above and beyond for their friends and their relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Cold, typically you're going to get hit with, you know, people's standard rates and they're going to want to get paid a little bit more, just get paid for their, for their basic rates or their standard rates. But working on the back of a relationship, what we've seen is these influencers, one, it just it's a good way to start because we're not starting cold. We seem to get more out of them. They're, they're more willing to do, you know, to add to deliverables or go above and beyond. Um, and it helps us save money because, again, we're working through relationships. Mm-hmm. And on a continual basis, it sounds like. So that does help with the, you know. Yep. So. How, when you talk about compensation, I know, you know, it's a very hard number to figure out with each influencer. Are there any benchmarks that you look at? Are you looking at, you know, the CPMs? Are you looking at, like, how do you figure out compensation? So for us, it's, it's a pretty dynamic thing, right? It's always based on a campaign basis. Mm-hmm. So we take in, you know, we do consider what the CPMs are, what their engagement rate is, what their following size is. But for us, all of our campaigns mostly are multi-layered campaigns. So we're not, we're rarely paying someone just to post about our service. Most of the time what we'll do is we'll develop moments. And within those moments, it could be an an influencer hosting a dinner. And at the dinner, we come with our own content team and have them invite some of their influencer, you know, friends that are influencers and, you know, in their circle to come out. And they're doing social coverage of the event and posting stories. And then we have our content team pulling influencers aside and getting testimonial content. And we'll take that testimonial content and and we'll have it help support our funnel or media buying strategy. So we we like to go as many layers deep as possible. You look at influencer marketing as a silver bullet, or not a silver bullet approach, but a lead bullets approach. We try and give ourselves as much room to be successful and reach their audience as possible. So depending on how many layers deep we go with them, 
usually depend is is the price and it's less it's less about their following size it's more about you know the time it takes to develop the campaign and how long the campaign will run yeah i mean and it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is even beyond them it sounds pretty experiential exactly and that's what we that's something that we're really focused on we found a sweet spot on the experiential side we call, mm -hmm. it, we call it creating moments right we like to build our campaigns around moments and it's just been super super impactful and helpful to you know one reach new influencers right being able to work on a campaign with x influencer but having this moment or this dinner or this experiential event and using that time to also build relationships with influencers in their circle so anytime we could do anything on the experiential side we've just seen it really work for us and and i think more brands can be could be doing that it's also a way to maximize the time you get with an influencer and just get so much content to help fill the funnel or have a bank of content that elevates your brand and could be used on social it's just you know content is the name of the game and moments allow you to get so much content in a short amount of time yeah we talk about the same thing here like moments occasions celebrations and like at every single you know kind of step of the journey and then I guess it's interesting for me, I saw one of the things that you did was about, you know, the flu and moms delivering flu medicine or something like that. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, could, you know, have your mom get delivered to you during flu season. Right, so, that's exactly a moment. Exactly, so, you know, when, when you get older and you get the flu and, and you got your own stuff going on, <laughs> the flu could really stop you dead in your tracks. And, you know, growing up, if, if that was, you know, something that you experience with your mom, she would typically take care of you. So shift can be just like your mom taking care of you, right? So when you are feeling sick and you don't want to move and you don't want to go to the store and you're just feeling terrible, shift can be there. And it's almost like delivering a breath of fresh air, right? So that was, that was a fun and exciting campaign. It's, it's actually still ongoing right now. Oh, it is. I mean, I think it'd be like delivering me chicken soup, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. It could be anything, right? It could be your typical flu medicine. It could be right. tissues, whatever it is, you know, ship the, the ship platform offers so much to where it's not just groceries, right? It's household items. It is, you know, you can order stuff from the pharmacy. So that, that was the idea behind that campaign. I think it was really, it was very clever. I guess my next question is, you know, we're getting a lot of questions about, you know, the scope of work. You know, I think a lot of companies think like, okay, we're going to work with influencers and, you know, and then things could fall flat. So, you know, for me, it's really important to have a very detailed scope of work. What do you, what are some of the elements, if you could share with us that you include, like when you engage with influencers to make sure that they're kind of adhering to everything that you want them to do? Yeah, I think. The scope of work for us, what we found is, is details are good, right? So mm -hmm. on the deliverables, the expectations, what you want tagged, specific hashtags, just giving them kind of the full, the full plate of what you're kind of expecting is always good. And especially what, what we found is at the beginning, we always want to discuss and agree on content usage and licensing because that's, that's really where we see a lot of impact. We don't want to just depend on the influencer posting once. If we could own that content for a certain amount of time and deploy it on our media buying to go after certain verticals or use the testimonial content to speak to a new audience, that gives us more flexibility 
and room to be successful. So we always want to try and figure that out in the scope of work. But the one thing that we try not to do is we want to give them, you know, an arena to play in, but we don't want to constrict the influencer. What we like to do is, you know, influencers know their audience and we, we want to let them do what they're best at, which is creating content. So we never want to put too many restrictions on what they talk about or how they say it because they know their audience best and we want it to be as organic and authentic as possible. So giving room for some creativity with boundaries is something that will lead to more successful campaigns, at least what we've seen in, in the campaigns that we've done. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you this because I'm in full agreement. What do you think about legal reviews on influencer content? And I know for some industries like pharma and healthcare or alcohol, it might be a necessity, but generally if it's not a regulated industry, legal reviews on influencer content. So can you give me a little more context on how that would apply to, to ship? Well, not for you, but I guess what you're saying is, you know, you give them the you give them the scope of work and you have this understanding and they but you also want to give them the flexibility we oftentimes see a lot of brands saying oh legal needs to review this or and it's not a regulated industry so you know what are your thoughts on that do you think that there should be a round of legal review on all content or it's a case-by-case -case basis i personally am against that just mm -hmm. i i just don't see again it's it's all about the relationship and you know, making things easy on them will typically lead to them wanting to do more stuff, right? Adding more steps in the process, it could be unnecessary. I just, I just don't think it leads to very successful relationships. And I don't always think it's a necessity. And we've never really had an, an issue with that. And we don't have legal review any of the content that we have our influencers post. Mm -hmm. We have legal review our agreements before we send them. Mm -hmm. But but what we do is in the due diligence, we never want to work with an influencer that we think is going to do something that's, that's risky or damaging to our brand. So in, the, in that process up front, we're only trying to select people that, that we feel like are going to be a good representation to our brand and we have trust with. That makes sense. And I think also to your point, the legal review you know, it could take away the creativity, not because the lawyers are doing it, but because the influencers get nervous that the lawyers are going to review. So they end up being more safe in terms of what they're producing. Correct. So flowing as possible. So the, the less steps like that, the better we, we always want to, again, it's all about the relationship to us. So we want to make, we want to add as much value to them as possible and give them just, you know, make it as easy on them as possible. And I feel like that's just, Usually, at least in our experience, it's just not a, a step that's been necessary or, or do I think it's necessary? I'm in agreement, unless it's regulated, of course. So I guess my other question would come from like shoppable content. Obviously, you're a delivery service, but you deliver a lot of things. How do you leverage influencers and how do you, are there any tips or tricks in terms of having them make their content more shoppable? Definitely. So with our platform, you know, we do a lot of influencer marketing on specific uh, CPG brands, whether it's Kraft or Dr. Pepper, or there's just a lot of campaigns that we do that will be specific to a category, mm -hmm. which I think is really helpful for people to kind of get the full picture and understand what the ship service does and how it could add value to them. Um, but as far as like making influencer content more shoppable, it's kind of like what I said, we always want to leverage the influencer strengths. 
So the, the influencers, they know their audience. They're an influencer because of the content that they create. So we try and give them the creative ability to, to tell their story and post their testimonial content and talk about how, how they use the service and how they love the service. And that's usually where we get our best stuff that performs the best. It's, it's really in this, this playground of allowing them to just be themselves and be creative as long as it's within the arena that we set, you know, that we set up for them. Can you tell me what, in terms of that, what is the most memorable influencer marketing campaign you've done or experience of working with an influencer, anything that stands out at you? 100%. So I think to me, the most memorable one was our campaign with Gab Union that we ran last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Gabrielle Union. It was our first crack at really working with tier one or a nationally recognized influencer. So Mm -hmm. it was was a three-month campaign. And this this is where we really honed and crafted our multi-layered strategy. And, and at the time too, this is, you know, this is something that we always look for. We always try to find influencers that are having their moment. We talked about earlier about how Matt is kind of, was kind of having his moment with his Netflix series and the things that were going on in, in his life. Well, at the time Gab was having that moment. Her husband was just coming off of his hall of fame tour where every NBA stadium was recognizing Dwayne Wade and, and doing this this awesome like honoring of him, and she was on America's Got Talent. She had also just booked a show on LA's Finest with Jessica Alba, so she was having that moment. And her her community was really engaged, and she was growing fast. We tried to leverage that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we did is, and we do this for every influencer. We gave her the service to try multiple times. So before we even talked about what a campaign could look like, we just made sure that she did love the service. So. We actually got a phone call one day that, you know, after she had had a membership for about a month, she had to get something delivered on set that she forgot. So she placed a shift order. They delivered it to her on set and she was just super amazed. She loved the experience and she just saw how everybody's reaction like, damn, I can't believe you got that delivered to you on set. So she called us. She was really excited and, and she just really, she wanted to work with us. So the campaign was a three-month campaign. The first portion was we went to her house and we filmed a full day of testimonial content about her busy life and what she had been going on. She was recently a new mom and how she was using the ship service to help support her in her busy lifestyle and all the things that were going on. And then at night, we hosted a dinner party for her and her friends, got content at the dinner party that we used to run a sweepstakes on social for three months. And the sweepstakes was we offered our members, 10 of our members, the opportunity to come watch the LA's finest finale party, which was another event that we hosted. Wow. Yeah. So it was an awesome campaign. There was a lot of layers to it. We got a lot of amazing content and the campaign lasted three months. And, you know, we, you know, we ended it with that LA's finest finale party with Gab that, uh, that we hosted. And then we also used that as a moment to develop relationships with other influencers that we ended up doing campaigns with. So it was just, it was really successful all the way around. And it was, again, something that we had, we were able to create some moments out of and, and also develop a really good relationship with Gab. So that was the most memorable campaign to me. That sounds awesome. Now I have two questions from that story. The first is how did the ship deliverer get on set? Because wouldn't that be really hard to get onto a set? <laughs> I would, but our, you know, our shoppers, they really operate by this, you know, this theme of over delivering delivery. And 
just going above and beyond and doing whatever it takes to deliver. So I would imagine they had some <laughs> jump through and there was some back and forth going, you know, on, texting back and forth to figure out how they could do that, but they were able to get it done. So, and, and thankfully, you know, thankfully they did because that moment really just set the stage for a really beautiful relationship and a really successful campaign. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that like it's taking it to that next level, making that, you know, that kind of service work in a way that you would never think it could work. So that's brilliant. What do you think? You know, obviously we're in 2020 and everyone's talking about the new decade, let alone a new year. But what do you think the future is for influencer marketing? I think it's really exciting. People people ask me this a lot. Like, do I think it's going to stick around? What do I think is going to happen? And I think it's only going to continue to grow. I think influencers are getting better and more creative at the content that they post. But I think the future, you're going to see a lot of brands start to test out new platforms. I'm really, I got a close eye on TikTok right now. I've seen some really, I've seen brands like Oreo and Pink and just some big brands do some really creative things on TikTok with influencers that have performed like outrageously well. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll start to see brands be more comfortable testing on new platforms. And I also think that brands will get more comfortable testing new things. I think influencer marketing is, is just as much science as it is art, right? It's a combination of the two. And I think all of the beauty really comes in, in the creative strategy. It's, it's being willing to experiment and test things. So I also, I'm also seeing a lot more influencers collaborate, which is pretty exciting. You know, seeing people bring their audiences together and create content together. I think that creates some really awesome moments for brands to get involved in it, you know, in a new way and, and reach new audiences. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, okay. My last question, which I always ask, um, and it's a hard one, but name an influencer you love to follow, but hate to admit that you do. So this is a, it's an interesting question. I, I follow a lot of influencers. I don't, I don't typically have someone that, you know, I hate to admit that I follow just because I think there's something to be learned, especially when you're in, in this, like we are, right? There's always mm -hmm. something to be learned from following an influencer. So I don't have someone that I really hate to admit, but I would say, I would kind of flip the question and recommend maybe some people that listen to this to follow some people that I really love, okay. um, love to follow. And these are people that we've worked with. So two that really stand out is Jessica Hall. And, and obviously our business is mostly focused on moms. So Jessica Hall is, she's a mom, she's an entrepreneur. She's really good at posting content. She does some of the things that I talked about. She collaborates with other people. She's doing some stuff with Hillary Duff right now. So she really understands the influencer game. And, and I think if you're in our position, uh, you can learn a lot by following her. Another person would be Emily Frazella, who is, she's amazing, amazing influencer, but she has a cookbook. She has a podcast. She has multiple businesses. She's crazy busy and she uses shipped about four to five times a week to support her, her busy lifestyle. So she's an amazing influencer to follow because she posts such motivating content. She shows you how to balance her life and, and still keep her fitness and her health with balancing her business and all these things. So I think those two, those two females and two influencers really stand out to me that if you want to follow some exciting people and learn something, those would be the two people I would follow. Well, I, I'm definitely, I need some fitness help to keeping that in my schedule. So I'm definitely going to be on the lookout. And I, 
<laughs> and I just want to thank you. This has been extremely, extremely insightful. So thank you, Riley, for joining us. And we are going to keep watching everything that you're doing. And it's super exciting. So we wish you all the best. Thank you, Sherry. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. You too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Beyond the Box, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Babblebox with your host, Sherry Langbert. Visit podcast.babblebox.com for more episodes and influencer marketing secrets.